doing today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode Hot Taste of TP3 today, Tuesday, January 12th. It is 2021. We are the day after the national championship game. Of course, I brought on Ben Gorowitz to talk the game with me. Ben, congrats on Alabama's big win. I assume you're doing fantastic today. Yeah, it's been a great day. Last night was a lot of fun watching the tide roll. Um, God, they look they look just they look so dominant all season long. Um, I talked about on the on our uh, preview that you know all these individual awards that they were winning uh, were great, but it, it kind of means nothing unless you cap it off, and they capped it off in a big way. So uh, you know the tide rolled big for another natty. Oh, yeah. You know, Ben, it was one of those games you sit there and watch it for the first couple drives, and you're like, all right, whenever Ohio State doesn't score a touchdown, it might get ugly real quick. I mean, they even had that fumble kind of save them and go their way at the beginning of the game, but after that, really not much did. And, you know, the Alabama defense stepped up, man. This is a really good defensive unit, one of the best in the SEC, if I believe it was the – was it the best defense in the SEC? I know it was top three for sure. No, I don't think they finished at one, but it it was top for sure. Yeah, honestly, the the uh, SC championship game might have skewed their SEC numbers just a tiny bit, but ultimately, I mean, I'd say the best team won. I assume you would as well. What? It, like, give me your breakdown of the game, Ben. I know you got a lot for it to say for us. I mean, all season long, Ben was the best team in the country. Um, mm-hmm. I think you really could only put. I, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I thought Clemson was really the only team that could beat them. Uh, the experience that Trevor Lawrence and ETM would bring. Um, even with losing just this roster receiver, I thought they still had plenty of weapons on that offense. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up getting, um, you know, thrashed by Ohio State in the semifinal. I mean, I talked to you, you know, off camera a lot, and I, I don't think any team would beat Ohio or sorry, would beat Alabama. Like, I, I think you could literally give multiple teams a chance at the national championship against Alabama, and I think the same result happens. I agree. I don't think A&M fans have any argument. I don't think um, I don't think anyone does because I think Alabama would beat everyone. They literally dominated every opponent this year. I mean, the close game, they played close against Ole Miss. They kind of started to run away with it at the end, but it was a close game. The Florida game was a lot closer in score than it was if you actually watched it. Florida – um, just kind of had a couple fourth quarter touchdowns that didn't. It got him closer, and then they had to get an onside kick, and it, that just doesn't happen. I mean, they really beat the brakes off every team this year. It's it's really similar to what LSU did last year, but LSU had a couple close games. LSU beat Auburn, if I'm not mistaken, by three last year, and then Auburn had a close game. Um, cl- it was kind of close by score in Tuscaloosa, but LSU beat the brakes off Alabama last year. Um, so it's pretty similar to that team. I mean, listen, this offense was too potent. It, it was too explosive. There's too many weapons. Even, I mean, listen, Devontae Smith played basically a half of football, and the offense didn't seem to slow down without him. Mac Jones was precision with his accuracy. Um, it's just way too many weapons. Sar- Sarkeesian, I think, called one of the best games he did all season. Um, some of those play designs to, to get Devontae Smith and other playmakers the ball are just ridiculous. I mean, the fact that Devontae Smith was that open on, on um, I think he had 12 receptions in the game or something like that. Probably nine of them were wide open. Um, Got to give a lot of credit to Sarkeesian, Mac Jones for the accuracy. It's just this team was too ridiculous this year. It was too loaded. Um, 
it was just a lot of fun to watch. I mean, what like what was your opinion of Alabama this whole season as a as a um, as a guy that's not a fan of Alabama? I mean, you're a fan of, of the sport, obviously, but what was your opinion? Yeah, you know, like you said, Vid, me and you talk a lot off camera, and I think every single Saturday it was like, damn, how is Alabama this much better than everybody, you know? I mean, the Georgia game obviously was good, but they weren't dynamic enough on offense. Florida, I mean, they were dynamic enough on offense, but they didn't have the defense they could to get people off the field. I mean, Alabama was just the most complete team by far. I mean, I would say, to be honest with you, this Alabama team dominated college football as well as the L- as the LSU team did last year. And I think, if anything, the most impressive part about what Alabama did is they did it playing an all-SEC schedule, and they pretty much played all they played at all the best teams in the SEC. I mean, Texas A&M, Florida, Georgia, those them. I mean, Ohio State, pretty much out of all the top teams, Notre Dame, except for Clemson, they was the only one they didn't play, and they dominated every single team. I mean, Clemson got dominated by Ohio State, so like you said, I don't think it would have changed anything. I don't think any team stood a chance. I mean, I think if you combined three teams and tried to throw together your best team, I still don't think they could have beaten this Alabama team. That's how good they were. Um, the all, Honestly, the, the scariest thing about it is imagine if they had Jalen Waddle all season long. He might have been the one to win Heisman over Devonta Smith. Um I honestly thought the right team won. I mean, I felt like an idiot for taking that Ohio State plus nine. I knew I should have just stuck with my Alabama first half and called it a day at that because that was way too easy of a pick. But, you know, ultimately, the right team won. Can't really, you know, argue with anything. I think that I, – I just think it's a, it's crazy how the, Alabama could be that much better than everybody else. I mean, none of those teams were really even close. I mean, they never, they never once felt like they were ever in danger of losing a single game this season. I mean – that that Ole Miss game was weird, you know. It was raining. You have Lane Kiffin, who kind of you know just really, who kind of knows you know Saban wants to play with them and everything. Um, I, yeah, you know, I thought I thought it was the right thing. My biggest question for you, Ben, was why the hell did they even let Jalen Waddle out there? He looked, he did not look like he needed to be out on the field. No, um, he did not. But you know, as far as I read and what Saban was saying pregame, um, it, it was Waddle and his family's decision the entire way. Um, Saban was saying that he goes, listen, part of my job is to help these kids if they want to get to the next level, help them get to that. Waddle is talented enough to get there, regardless if he, um, would have gotten hurt even more, he still would be drafted. I think Waddle just wants to play. And I think Saban doesn't feel like he has the right to say, Hey, if this kid wants to live out his dream and play in the national championship game. Who am I to tell him to stop it? Um, I that. So I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of how I see it. As soon as I saw him limping, I mean, of course, I'm like, please get this kid out of the game. I mean, at some point, I, I know that you just got to take the competitive fire out of some of these kids, um, just the way they think. But I haven't read that he injured it anymore to where he needs surgery again. So I think he's going to be okay. Yeah, um Back to the game, like I, I know Ohio State was missing a couple people for COVID um, reasons, and I know Trey Sermon, who was, you know, probably their best player coming down the stretch. I know that he didn't play much. I think even if Trey Sermon played or if they were at full strength, I think the score could have been more respectable. I, I don't think it would have mattered in the long run. Um, I, I don't think you were stopping this Alabama offense. So, listen, the tide rolled. It really wasn't in question. I mean, I know that some people I was watching the game with, um, some girls I was watching the game with, uh, they've been listening to our podcast. So if they're listening, to, you know, they were like, why are you so calm during a national championship? I'm like, because look at the team I'm rooting for. Every time they have the ball, 
they score with ease. Like it's it's nothing to get worked up about. You know what I mean? And I get that. Like, you know, I was with a bunch of Georgia fans. They're like, "Oh my god, I hate you." Like, well, I was like, "Well, your team hasn't won in a long time, so that those are different circumstances." My team won three years ago, so I'm used to this, right? And and the way that Alabama's offense rolled all year, and I'm you know I'm sorry for the, all the puns with the rolls, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, no one stopped them. It was almost like I didn't worry when Alabama was on offense. I, I wasn't even worried they were going to get three points. No one could prevent them from getting seven. So it's just – it was a relaxing game for me to watch. I really wasn't worked up at all. The blood pressure wasn't high. Sat back, relaxed, watched King Saban let, do his thing. I mean, he's a god. I mean, this team was just godly. So, listen, it was a lot of fun to watch this year. Um that draft class or recruiting class 2017 is in Alabama football history. Um, I'd like to say thanks to all those guys that came back for a senior year and accomplished their goals. I mean, listen, Alex Leatherwood did not have to come back. Najee Harris did not have to come back. Smith, Devontae Smith, these guys would have been drafted pretty high last year. They all came back to want to finish it out, to win one more title together and to get their degrees all of them graduated, and they accomplished the team goal. So I think they were just really focused, and listen, they got it done. Yeah, um, you know, Ben, I will say this, though. Look, Devonta Smith hit every single one of his player props in the first half. Um, I, I mean, 215 yards, three touchdowns, absolutely crazy for a national championship game. I was a little pissed off, though, that Mac Jones didn't end up winning the MVP award for this game. I just felt like, look, he broke the passing record. He pretty much didn't throw a pass in the fourth quarter. He did it pretty much in three quarters, threw for over 460 yards. I think it was 468 to be exact, five touchdowns. I just feel like Mac Jones really didn't get enough credit for what he did for this team. You know, they kind of talked about it more at the end of the game. But, I mean, yeah, Devonta Smith, he won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, obviously he had an amazing performance in the National Championship game. I just felt like it should have gone to Mac Jones, the guy who played who played pretty much the whole game. And I feel like he really never got the recognition he deserved with this team. You know, it's kind of like he was kind of stuck into his shadow because you finally have, like, the first big-time quarterback who goes to the NFL as a high draft pick out of Alabama. I think A.J. McCarron was really, like, the last hyped-up quarterback that Alabama's had since then. And I just felt like Mac Jones really never got the respect that he deserved all season long. And I felt like that he deserved the MVP trophy, not only because of the fact that I thought that he had the best performance of any player on y'all's team in the game, but also just because of the fact that I felt like he needs to be recognized and he needs a little bit more. I mean, yeah, he did win the award for the best quarterback in college football, but I feel like winning those college football position awards, I mean, only, in my opinion, only the Heisman is the one, one that gets the acknowledgement. Yeah, I mean, I definitely um, thought Mac Jones would have was going to be the offensive MVP. Um, you know, I, I'm not shocked necessarily that Devontae Smith won it just to – cap off all the records he got this year, but um, I do kind of agree with you. I thought Mac, um, you know, definitely I, I would have given it to Mac. Um, so I agree with you there. And, you know, I know he doesn't care about that kind of stuff, but um, listen, he's he's an Alabama legend for the rest of his life. Um, I, whatever he needs in life, the city of Tuscaloosa will provide it for him. Um, he's going to be an NFL player and, should have plenty of money because he should be a first round pick. Um, Absolutely. You know, after these, after this season, especially after this performance in a big game. So, um, listen, the city of Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama owes everything to Mac Jones and to this class, the way they finished the season out, the way they came back. So, 
um, I, I don't disagree at all. I mean, he, he was unbelievable all season long. And, um, you know, there's a quote. I don't know if it's officially going around, but I saw it, what he kind of whispered to Saban's ear when they were on the podium together. And he, uh, he goes, hey, from a scout team quarterback to a national champion, not bad, right? And listen, that's it, it's come full circle. Um, Mac Jones, I think, is a great example, a great role model for um, future athletes. Um, listen, he's not the most athletic kid. He does not have the best arm, but he he worked harder than anyone from the time he stepped on campus. Um, I encourage everyone to you know you can look up the story on Google. Um, he was supposed to go to Kentucky to be a commit and he probably would have had a higher chance to play um, a lot sooner than he did at Alabama. Obviously he only started the last couple of games of his junior year and all of his senior year. And his father, and I think his grandfather like typed out this list of goals, individual goals and, and team goals that he wanted to accomplish. And he put out steps on how he's going to reach there and, and he worked his butt off. So listen, hard work paid off for the kid. Um, national champion, and probably a first-round pick. So, great for him. Great story. Oh, yeah. Great story. Great story in general around this team. Speaking of storylines, Ben, um, know your hype about Saban getting his seventh overall ring, sixth at Alabama. Um, what do you think the storylines are for Saban slash Alabama coming out of this year and heading to next year? Well, I mean, obviously, he's he was already the greatest of all time. Um, now he's officially the greatest of all time because he has the most national mm-hmm. championships ever. Listen, he's won six national championships at Alabama in 12 years. Like, that's ridiculous. Every single recruiting class in his time at Alabama has been a part of a national champion. Every single player has been a part of a national championship. That is insane. Mm -hmm. That is just unbelievable. I literally, my mind is blown when I first heard that. I mean, listen, with Alabama, it's it's the same thing as a lot of these, you know, it's the same thing with Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia. It's They don't rebuild, they reload, right? So Alabama played a decent amount of freshmen um, throughout the season. I believe they played, I believe seven to eight true freshmen saw the field in the national championship game, so they got wow. good experience there. Um, you're going to have Bryce Young as your quarterback. He's got a lot of hype coming in. Uh, he was the number one dual threat quarterback out of high school. From Matter Day High School, which is, uh, you know, famous, famous, famous high school for football in California. So listen, he's got the keys to the ship now. Um, he, he got a, he didn't get a ton of game experience, but I think he got a lot of experience kind of learning from Mac Jones. I'm sure Mac was a tremendous uh, mentor. And listen, the, the team reloads. I mean, Saban's going to put these kids to work as soon as they're going to be back on campus for uh, spring practice, and uh, listen, I expect them to work hard as they always do under Saban, and this team's going to be right back in the national championship conversation, the SEC championship um, conversation, just like they are every year. Yeah, it's going to pretty much be your uh, usual um, Alabama, Georgia, we'll see with Florida, um, LSU, you know, it's going it's to be a fun SEC picture, man. It's going to be fun to see the way everything played out. You know, at the end of the day, I think the national championship game was, I'll, I'll say this to cap it off, I think it was, went the right way, you know, kind of as like a celebration for how much better Alabama was than everyone else. And they left no question out there whatsoever that they were the national champion and they were that much better than everyone else's season in college football. But you know what's crazy, Ben, is that 
as big as that game was yesterday, we had some even bigger games possibly that went down this last weekend, and that would be over on the NFL side of things. It was our first ever Super Wild Card Sunday. Um, you know, it, it kind of felt weird, Ben. We sat there, we watched those first four games play out, and I was like, all right, something fishy is going to happen here. I was praying that it was going to be the Saints go down, but of course it had to happen to us in the last game. And let's go ahead and start things off with, we'll go, we'll go from Sunday back to Saturday, just kind of in order we saw things. So why not go ahead and start things off with the Steelers getting absolutely embarrassed? I'm not, not even lost. They got embarrassed by the Cleveland Browns. Um, ben, what the hell went wrong here for Pittsburgh? Same thing that went wrong when they were on the losing streak at the end of the season. Um, just lack of physicality in the trenches. Uh, I don't, I mean, lack of focus from the first snap of the game, the first snap of the game, um, Pouncey snaps it over big Ben's head. Ben Roethlisberger is like six foot five. Yeah. It's very hard to snap it over his head. And these two have been working together for, it's gotta be a decade. Don't you think? I mean, Pouncey has been there forever. It seems like, so just, you know, first snap of the game, the Browns get a defensive touchdown. It's just complete lack of focus. That can't happen. Um, so they started flat, and then, like you and I have been saying all year during their losing streak, they can't run the football. I mean, and not only can they, can they not run the football, what kind of decision-making was Ben Roethlisberger making? I mean, listen, I, I love Ben Roethlisberger, the football player. Um, I emphasize the football player because he's had a little bit of off-the-field issues. But um, <laughs> the football player – has been he's had a great career. He's no doubt a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's one of the best in his era. But it's it's coming to an end. It's it, it's it's not only coming to an end. It's crashing. It, it's it's a real tough pill to swallow. The way that the Steelers' season ended this year. You know they win eleven games, or they win was it eleven? Were they eleven and zero? Or what? What, yeah, what was that? Win eleven and zero, and then they end up losing what? four games three games yep went one and four to finish out yeah i mean it's just a tough pill to swallow I, they have a lot of decisions to make um ben roethlisberger who does not want to retire is a 40 million dollar cap space for next season he I, he's gonna be like 39 to 40 years old so he didn't look great this year even during their winning streak um it's it's a different uh, style of Steeler football they used to throw the ball downfield. They used to sling it down, downfield a lot. They, they don't do that anymore as much as the season went on. So he's getting older. They could not run the football to help him out. And they got absolutely embarrassed by the Cleveland Browns. And you know what? It's all props in the world to Cleveland and their coaching staff and their players for what they accomplished. Um, mm -hmm. I think they ended up missing two or three coaches. I think they were missing like six players. And listen, they got it done. Um they got the the monkey off their back by winning by making the playoffs and winning a playoff game. Now they get Kansas City, which is a lot tougher of a task. But the Browns are heading in the right direction and quick. Yeah, I thought that was huge for the Browns. You know, to find their confidence and everything, especially for Baker Mayfield, as I thought he actually put a pretty good game. Now he was put in a great situation. I agree with you, though, Ben. I really think this might be the last time we see Ben Roethlisberger step on the field as the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, that he was throwing interceptions to linemen that looked like way too easy. But Ben is now three and seven in his last ten playoff games, and 
I don't even want to put all the blame on him. I thought Mike Tomlin was a complete dumbass. Like he punted that one where he took the five yard penalty and moved back. When you're down three scores from the Browns forty, like that was retarded. Then at the end of the game, this was the worst one to me. It was at the end of the game when you're actually kind of back in the game. He chooses to pump the ball away when it's like fourth and one at midfield with ten minutes to go. I mean, you finally have been getting stops. Go ahead, go for the touchdown. After that, they went right down the field with Nick Chubb, and the game was over. I mean, it, it was also, it was. Horrible. He also had a play. He also had the play where he kicked the extra point, or did he go for two? When he went for two twice. Yeah, he went for two twice. One the first time, it, I get it. If you're if it's eight points, um, I get it. You go for two the first time to uh to bring it to six. That's like an analytical move. I get that, yeah. but I didn't understand the other time. I mean, I just. I know that he's not an analytical guy. He hates analytics. He goes with his gut, but he just a couple different coaching decisions that just kind of were head scratchers. And it's like I, I don't think he I don't think he should be fired. I, I think he's a great coach. I think his track record in Pittsburgh has been great. He's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty loyal organization, but the playoff or I should say the lack of playoff success they had is not going to sit well with Steelers fans. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, I thought Tomlin's mistakes really hurt, but at the end of the day, I really feel like that fumble like you touched on at the beginning of the game, I feel like that was the whole downfall of the game. It felt like at that point you're like, wait, what just happened? I was kind of shell-shocked at first. I was like, okay, well, maybe they'll go down here and score and we'll be fine. Interception, and then that point, it's the game's pretty much over from there. I mean, I felt like Pittsburgh did their best to kind of stay in the game, but they could not stop Cleveland. I mean, the defense regressed. It was just... It, it, it was a complete shit show that entire game. I mean, I would be embarrassed if I was a Steelers fan. I mean, I really thought that without Stefanski there that they'd be able to beat the Browns. But, hey, how it's up to Cleveland. You know, they kind of had a good game plan. I thought that – um can't remember his name, but I know he was the special teams coach. I thought he did a pretty good job in their coaching. I mean, I didn't think they have really any arguments with any of the decisions he made. I mean, shout out, though, to Cleveland, man, for getting it done and breaking the streak. They Not only did they get in the playoffs, but they won a game. I thought that was huge for them. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield certainly helps. I mean, Chubb was Chubb was pretty dominant. I mean, he in the with the receiving yards he had, I think he finished with like sixty nine or seventy receiving yards and a touchdown. I mean, they they just dominated up front. I thought the offensive line did a great job um, for the Browns. So, I mean, listen, it's the playoffs. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are not um, invincible. I mean, they can be beaten, but it's going to take a lot for the Browns to do it. I think they need to run the football and possess it and get seven and not settle for three. No, I agree with you completely. They're going to have to run the ball and keep Kansas City on the sidelines. So that would be a fun one to watch for sure on Sunday. Um, next game we watched here, this one had my blood boiling a little bit, not because I'm a Saints hater because, look, straight up, I felt like the Saints got every single call. That Eddie Jackson interception, I mean, that was so close. I mean, I feel like if New Orleans was the one picking the ball off, it would absolutely have to be an interception. I thought that was ridiculous that they kicked out Anthony Miller for shoving Gardner Johnson. I mean, we all know Gardner Johnson loves to run his mouth, and he's a scrub. And I just I thought that that was a horrible call, too. Um, look, they set Javon Wims up perfectly to get his revenge on the Saints by catching that hail there or the catching the uh, trick pass, and he dropped it when he's wide free. I feel like if he caught that ball, you know, it would be like, okay, the Bears are here to play, but once he dropped that ball, I mean, they couldn't do anything in the second half. They couldn't even get a first down. I mean, the entire second half of that game was pathetic. I mean, this Bears offense did not show up at all, but I just really feel like the referees took, this, took them out of the game. I mean, they gave the Saints every single call, and the Bears really couldn't get anything rolling. 
Well, the Bears' offense has been pathetic all season long. Um, yep. I think they know that coming in, so that they thought, hey, we're going to need to capitalize on a trick play or something, right? And when you do one and it works, but the end result fails because someone drops the pass, you're like, okay, well, I mean, now what do we do? If we can't even uh, successfully catch a trick play that's wide open in the end zone, then what can we do? And the answer is nothing. Um, the Bears just have nothing on offense. I mean, they. I, I think the Bears need a clean house. Um, I, I would – I'd get rid of the coach. I'd get rid of the quarterback. I'd probably even get rid of the GM for not getting rid of the coach earlier. Um, Matt, Matt Nagy is supposed to be an offensive-minded coach, and they've had one – they've had some of the worst offenses since Trubisky's yep. been drafted. I know that um, you can put Trubisky to blame on this, but at the end of the day, like – you have to help your quarterback. You have to develop him a little bit. And I don't think Nagy did a very good job of developing Trubisky. I don't think Trubisky did a good job of improving in the offseason. So I think you clean house. Listen, this Bears defense did everything they could in this game to keep it close. And their offense couldn't help them out. And um, it's just – I know that you know you were frustrated with the officials, but I really don't think it would have mattered. I don't think the Bears would win this game anyway. Um, I think the I think the Saints could play this game with nine players on offense and they would still win. Like I, I mean, the Bears' offense is just it, it's inept. Like they mm-hmm. can't move the football, and you can't move the football. You can't score. If you can't score, you can't win games. So, um, Bears' defense, I thought played a pretty darn good game. Yeah, you know, Bears' defense did everything they needed to do. The offense couldn't do anything at the end of the day. New Orleans moves on to the next round to face Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, the 1 o'clock game on Sunday was honestly pretty good one. This is probably one of the best games of the entire weekend here as the Tennessee Titans in your backyard took on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, ben, what was Arthur Smith thinking on those third downs, man? There was so felt like there were so many third Ooh. shorts where he wanted to run the ball or where he threw the ball rather than you have, you have the best running back in the NFL arguably in your backfield. Easily the best guy I'd want in short yardage situations to pound the ball up the middle. Why would you not run him twice on a third and two and give it to him there so you don't get it? Let's go for it again on fourth down. And on top of that, Tennessee with about 10 minutes left in the game punted from the Ravens' 40-yard line. That was rated the worst decision in NFL history in the playoffs to punt from there. Like, I forget how the rating system works, but it was rated one of the worst decisions in NFL history in the playoffs. Yeah, um... I know that Derrick Henry didn't have a lot of success on the ground. Um, they tried to run him up the middle several times throughout this game. Ravens really did a good job of plugging those gaps. And I get that you weren't having a lack of success, but I, I still feel like you need to you need to feed Derrick Henry twice. Um, mm-hmm. I want to harp on the decision. So they had a third and two, decided to pass the ball, and then the fourth and two decided to punt from the 40 like you were just referencing. I, I – don't understand the even I don't even understand the thought process like give the ball to Derrick Henry twice is he do you not think he's gonna get it like I I don't understand you know what I'm trying to say like I didn't understand that thought process no trust Uh, me I I think I texted you when that happened I was like why I was like so you have the best running back in the NFL and you don't give him the ball in short yardage like it made no sense make the game easy for yourself you know and I thought too if you're gonna if Tennessee's gonna get the run stuffed on him like that, I thought Tannehill absolutely had to play better. I mean, he I thought Tannehill didn't do what he could to open it up in the air. I mean, if they're pounding the box like that, you got to be able to take the top off the defense. Yeah, and the Titans receivers really didn't get a lot of separation. Um, 
tough windows for Tannehill to throw the football. I mean, even there was a catch by A.J. Brown on the left side on the sideline where, I mean, Marlon Humphrey's all over him, and he just kind of makes a one-handed catch. I mean, it's a great throw by Tannehill, but he's not going to do that. Excuse me, he's not going to do that throughout the game. The windows were just too tight. It's just they were playing well in the, in the first quarter, first half against Lamar. And then all of a sudden, he gets an open space, and you're not going to catch up in open space. So, I mean, listen, I want to say this about Lamar: he did the job that he needed to do to win the game, and that's all that matters. That is all that matters at the end of the day. He got the job done, and he won a playoff game. But if you watch the game, not look at his numbers, if you watch the game, a lot of his throws are not very accurate. And they take a better catch than it was a better throw. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing, and I'll talk about it as well, bring it up again when we talk about the Colts. A lot of Phillip Rivers' throws are low to the ground, and his receivers are bending their back to catch it. A lot of these throws by Lamar are not good. I mean, they're good enough because they're caught. But as you get further into the playoffs, he needs to he needs to get more accurate for this team to go far. Because I think this team can go far. This team can this team can win the AFC. I, they can because it when their offense runs smoothly, it's a hard offense to stop because no one can catch Lamar in open space. He's mm-hmm. too fast. But. He needs to be more accurate. I mean, there were a couple throws that opened. There was the one to the fullback where it was kind of like behind him, and it was a tough catch for the fullback. And it, it, if you make the throw, it's a first down and more. Like, I just feel like he's he's not a good he's not a good enough passer to win a Super Bowl right now. He can improve, but at the end of the day, I think he's like James Harden. I think he has the ability to win a lot of individual awards, and he's not going to win a single team award that matters. So I'm going to live and die on that hill until he until the Ravens prove me wrong with Lamar and win something that's in big significance, like winning the AFC Championship or reaching the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to accomplish that with Lamar at quarterback unless he improves as a unless he improves as a um, passer. I think he's too inaccurate at this point to beat teams like. Well, he's going to get a chance at Buffalo, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a chance to make a statement next week against Buffalo. Um, I'm going to agree with you, though, Ben. I think that he's got to do a better job throwing the ball. Also, don't think he actually has, like, the greatest weapons, though, as well, to kind of complement his, his inability at passing. Like, he doesn't have a big receiver that can kind of change things or a guy you can just throw it in a window and he's going to go make the play for you. But at the same time, I feel like Lamar's at his best when he runs the ball up the middle. I mean, you saw in that long touchdown run he had, he made one guy miss because he's so damn elusive and he's gone. I think he's better when he runs when he runs straight on rather than when he's running side to side. I feel like that's the most dangerous part of his game is when the pocket breaks down, he's able to take off like he did. But ultimately, you know, I got to give Lamar a little bit of credit. He started the game off awful. I think that was probably the worst case scenario you could have had at the first three drives of the game, you know, especially when he took that horrible sack on that third down. They had to punt again down 10 0, but he didn't let it get down. You know, I was sitting here saying to everybody, I was like, wow, we've seen this story too many times. Lamar Jackson um, fumble or falls short in the playoffs. But after, from that point on, he picked it up and put and balled out. So. We'll see if he can kind of keep the ball rolling over in this next week. I mean, it's gonna be, I can't wait to break down that matchup, honestly, Buffalo and Baltimore. That's going to be one of the best matchups of the entire season. Yeah, and it, I think that, you know, Lamar gets a little too much heat. I know that I was just giving him heat, but mm-hmm. yeah, like he's in, his, he's in his third season. Like, so what? He hasn't won a playoff game. He's at least been to the playoffs twice in his first two seasons. He he now has a playoff win. Like, he, 
he's been a very he's been a good quarterback. He's been a very good quarterback in terms of winning games. He does what he needs to do for the Ravens to win games. So he I just think for him to be his team to win Super Bowls, because their defense is great. I think if they want the ultimate team goal, I think they need to throw the ball a little bit better. Um, but I agree with you. His weapons are not great right now. So if they can get him weapons, I think his uh, passing will improve. And we saw it with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's first couple of years was like the worst passer efficiency in the NFL. And you bring in Stephon Diggs, you bring in Cole Beasley, and what do you know? He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league now. So I think Lamar has the potential for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, they got him Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown. They finally put an offense around Josh Allen and made it a lot better for him. So I think that's what had to do with that pickup and everything. Um, you know, Saturday's games were, were fun as well. Um, we'll go ahead and start things off. I think with the game we'll have the least to say out of any. Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, this game went about how I expected. Washington football team hung around, kept it competitive. They ultimately covered the number. I mean, honestly, shout out to Washington football team with all the negativity with them having to change their team name to Dwayne Haskins situation with Ron Rivera getting cancer. Thought they did a great job making the most out of the season. And, you know, that defensive line that me and you both said we thought was going to be, I think on our uh, podcast, like the first week of the season, we had like things we were going to overreact and not react to. We both said that the Washington football team's um, defense would – probably be able to do that for the whole season and was able to. I want to say this, though. This is my biggest takeaway from the game. Is that Taylor Heineke definitely deserves to be a backup quarterback in, in the NFL. Shoot, yep. I would take him in Atlanta backing up Matt Ryan. Yep. Um, thought this kid showed a lot of guts. Um, thought he played about as hard as you could play. Every play he gave it his all. I think he I think he tried it. I mean, he tried his hardest to, to provide what he could for this Washington football team. It's just, it, the Bucks just have too many weapons at the end of the day, and you know, like, listen, the Bucks were the better team. Everyone knows that, so the results not shocking, but they did not get blown out. They hung around. I mean, they they made a little bit of a comeback in the second half, and I have a lot of respect for the Washington football team uh, for what they went through um, in this game. I really wish Alex Smith could have played, but he was inactive, so. I think Taylor Heineke proved that he does belong in this league. I mean, he's not a starting quarterback, but I definitely agree with you. He deserves to be a backup quarterback based on that performance. I'd feel comfortable putting him in if my starting quarterback got hurt. Hey, absolutely. I'd feel more than comfortable having him in there, especially the playoff experience that he has and everything. That's a Georgia boy right there. I think he played at um, Collins Hill High School, I want to say. So shout out to him and everything. I mean, Tampa Bay did about what I expected. Don't have too much to say about them. You got anything you want to say about Tampa Bay or – I thought their weapons showed up. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think each game is, is something to build on for them. Um, so I think Brady used his weapons very wisely. Fournette got him a good showing in the backfield, and they did. I mean, they, they scored a good amount of points. So, I mean, they get the rematch with the Saints next week, which we'll preview um, towards the end of the week. And they're 0-2 against the Saints. So a little bit of revenge. Oh, yeah. That's A. I'm glad we're thinking the same way. I'm thinking I might be thinking the same thing you are on that one. I'm excited to talk about that game as well. Um, so I think was my favorite game of the weekend. The only reason why I say that is just because this is the one where I predicted the outright upset happening, and that is 
the Rams over the, the Seattle Seahawks. Um, it's kind of a weird game, you know. I had the under in this one. You come out and you have like three. It was like what, like three points in the first quarter with like honestly like halfway through the second quarter. I was like, oh, this under is going to hit easily. Somehow they end up going over the total. But John Wolford, I kind of caught, was balling out. And then he went down with the injury. And you're like, okay, what's going to happen now? Jared Goff doesn't have a thumb. He's basically got four fingers on his throwing <laughs> hand. And he outplayed Russell Wilson when Aaron Donald was hurt. I mean, Aaron Donald absolutely, it feels like every single time Russell Wilson tries to run around in the backfield, it feels like Aaron Donald knows exactly what he's doing, so he ends up having to slide and kind of get away from him. But, I mean, why is Russell Wilson not being blasted in media right here? That was absolutely embarrassing. The fact that he got outdueled by Jared Goff with four fingers on his throwing hand, I mean, that is pathetic for Russell Wilson. It was let Russ cook. Russell Wilson was the runaway MVP in week four. I mean, I don't know what happened. Honestly, the only thing I think happened is Seattle tried to go a little more run heavy and or teams figured out their passing scheme or something. But, I mean, they looked awful. Jalen Ramsey completely removed DK Metcalf from this game. I think he had like 30 yards receiving with Jalen Ramsey matched up on him. Sean McVay owns Seattle. Yeah. I mean, everything you said is right. I, I, th- I tweeted this, and I, I think it's true. Uh, I think this is, uh, you know, for whatever this is worth, I don't think it means – that much in the big picture, but I think this is a pretty bad loss for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson's resume uh, in terms of like their legacy resume. Um, I know that there's no fans there and that really benefits Seattle. It's really an advantage, but it's still at home. I mean, the Rams have to travel. Um, I know that it's not far LA to Seattle. It can't be that far of a flight, but it's the fact that you're not sleeping in your own bed. You're sleeping in a hotel. I mean, it's, and for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to play that flat, it's I, mean, I I am shocked that their offensive coordinator hasn't been fired already. I actually would have just said, don't even worry about it. We're, your house is already on the market. Like I mean, <laughs> I, I mean seriously, like I'm not. I don't want to put all the blame on the offensive coordinator because I think Russ and everyone deserves a lot of it. But I think their play calling was uh, about as horrendous as you could get for a playoff game. Mm-hmm what's the reasoning for running the ball that much? You couldn't run the ball that much in the regular season. I get that you got to you gotta find creative ways when you're playing the Rams because their pass rush is great, and Jalen Ramsey's probably going to shut down one of your receivers. But, I mean, let's not act like Tyler Lockett's not a stud in this league. I mean, uh, Moore is a very quality um, – he's, he's a good third receiver for a team. So, I mean, Russ can run the football. I just – I really didn't agree with the play calling. Um, I don't think Russ played very well at all, so combined, they got embarrassed. I'm in complete agreement with you on that one, Ben. That was absolutely embarrassing. Also, got to give a shout-out to my boy Cam Akers. Ran for 170-plus yards on the ground. I mean, Sean McVay's fingerprints are all over this game. Sean McVay is one of the top five coaches in the NFL, maybe even top three. That's how good he is. I mean, he now moves to 10 and 4 in his career against Seattle. I mean, that's crazy to think about. These two teams have been battling out for this division for so long, and the fact that McVay could own them that much. Got to give all the credit to McVay with his schemes and everything. Last game we watched on Saturday, or just technically this is the first game we watched the entire weekend, was the Colts versus the uh, Bills. What were your takeaways on this one, Ben? So I thought the Colts defense played as bad as well of a game as you can get. Uh, only giving up 27 points to the Bills is, I think, pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. If you would have told me the Bills would have scored 27 points, I would have said the Colts could absolutely win that game. I mean, they only lost by three points. But um, I said I would have mentioned it when we talked about this game. Philip Rivers is he's just done. Um, the 
he's got no strength in his arm anymore. I mean, it, a lot of his passes low now. I mean, it, they are weird. I think we're dropping uh, the tie ball. I feel like he's going to get the stone key when he went out. This, I think he even did win the one. I don't think get it, but this will be in the room. I think Spidey was almost six four with the dead. All game long, they moved east until the field started to shrink. They, they, they didn't get many touchdowns. Um, they had a lot of opportunity. They, at the end of the day, they weren't getting it done. They lost by three. I agree with you. I think Buffalo played a great game. But, um, I feel like his football career is I don't, I don't, Bears just don't want to completely start over. Maybe they give him another chance. Maybe they give him a chance because I don't think they're going to roll with Trubisky or, or Foles. But I don't think a lot of teams are going to look at Phillip Rivers and say, we want to give you a chance to, uh, you know, our team. So I think it's more than likely that his career is over. And – He's got a good shot at being a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, hey, I agree with you completely on all that. Um, it's Philip Rivers should definitely go to the Hall of Fame, but I agree. I think it's time for Philip Rivers to hang things up. I think it's time for the Colts, you know, to decide if they want to draft somebody or to see if they want to trade in to get another quarterback. So it's be interesting to see what happens there. But like me and Ben have been alluding to, tune into our podcast. So this on uh, will be out probably around like 6, 30, 7 p.m. on Friday night where me and Ben will break down all the games for next week and give you all our picks against the spread over unders, all that good stuff for y'all. So we got all y'all covered with all that. But last topic before we get up out of here, this is a topic that is very close to me. As y'all know, I'm a huge Atlanta Hawks fan. So is Ben. My favorite pro sports team is the Hawks. Unfortunately, I'm sad as that is. Um, <laughs> ben, our Hawks have a serious problem. We lost four games in order to like the, the Knicks. Um, Oh, and the Cavs. I mean, you can't be doing that. We're now 5-5 five and five after a hot 4-1 and one start and beating the Nets. Obviously, most of our team's hurt. We've had Gallinari have three different injuries. Like I said, that kind of money to a guy like Gallinari, who's always injured, and look what happens to us. Um, on top of that, though, with Gallinari getting injured once again, needs to floor, and the ball needs to go there directly off the six times and then seven turners and scored like nine points. Trying to prove a point that we see if you do anything. Look, John Collins, I do as a player do a lot for but you shut the hell up. You're not an interaction. It's your fear to play the track. So I keep on Kimmy. Finally, winning that back rack is six and a half in the program that he had to send me. You can't win that game. You don't deserve to be an NBA basketball team. I mean, the Hawks have a serious problem here, Ben. Do you think we need to deal Collins or they need to try to get this worked out or what do we need to do here? I would not deal him. Um, I think I, I think they'll be fine moving forward. Um, I think I would hope that there was an internal conversation, whether that's with Trey Young and Lloyd Pierce or maybe just with Coach Lloyd Pierce or one of the coaches. Um, listen, at the end of the day, um, Collins is a tremendous athlete. He's a very good basketball player. Um, he might be lacking in uh, brain power a little bit. Uh, <laughs> In what world should Trey Young not have the ball 95% of the time? So, listen, Collins is tremendous. He's pretty much a man of uh, you know, in points and rebounds. He's not built any Trey Young's game well. They're very good at the pickle together, the alley-oops they set each other up with. I don't think Kevin's off. I, I wouldn't trade someone just for something like this. I mean, listen, the team's going through a skid, and they're supposed to be than they are. And John Collins, I don't hate that one ball more. The team just declined option. So that means he's got one prove himself for becoming a free agent. So, yeah, I would want the ball more too. So I prove what I can, you know, he can, like he can prove. I mean, and 
I feel like the role that the Hawks have, John Collins set up, is good enough to get him paid. Oh, he's get paid by someone who continues to put up 20 and 11 or 20 and 12, uh, whatever he's averaging in the season. So, I think John Collins got suspended for 25 last season against their ass in the second turn ball. And so, he's got man, Rob Cheating, I think Trev had to teach the health of his